Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing. So we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hey, Greg. Hey, Shannon. Nice to be with you again. Likewise. Yes. Getting our podcasting legs underneath us again so we can manage to have a conversation without talking all over each other and giving you a four-hour edit job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's try to reduce the number of edits. All right. That would help. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Shall we check in? Yeah, that's super game for checking in. You want to go first? Sure, I can go first. Uh, we record on Mondays, so there's always a sense of, I enter just usually hopeful, <laughs> hopeful on head, body, spirit, emotions, that <laughs> it will be a, a, a week of uh, low amplitude roller coaster. Uh, you know, I still anticipate ups and downs. It seems to just go at the territory of being human. But um, my roller, my roller coaster is pretty, pretty low amplitude out of the gates here. A couple little things I didn't expect, but I'm feeling present and with capacity and have energy for our conversation and don't feel overly distracted by things really on any level, mental, emotional, body. I could use a walk, could always use more movement and more time with spirit, but I'm ready to go. Mm. High capacity. How about you? All right. Glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little tired. Uh, I think, I think the, we, we, so the, the short version of this, and, and Shannon, you've heard the long version of it, is we have a very anxious and challenging dog that, that shares, my wife and I share a home with. And the last couple of weeks, things have gotten a little chat tricky. We think he hurt his back a little bit. Mm. And then, and so he's, his behavior has kind of changed a little. And this morning, he, the way he was being led me to think that maybe we need to give the vet a call. And so we've got a vet appointment. And so it's just a stressful sort of thing. And I think that's, that was like kind of first thing in the morning. And even though the day got off to a really strong start, I feel like I kind of hit a hiccup there and it's dragged my, my energy down. So some of my emotional mm. and, and physical capacity feels a little bit lower than typical. And that, you know, so it's, it's tricky. It's, you know, we get, it's, it's dog and, you know, he's our little fur guy and you know how it is, you know how it can be. I definitely do. Our furry family is very important and yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, so we're navigating that and, um, you know, and other than that, other than the like somehow scheduling my day so that like I had just enough time in between meetings to not actually be able to do, do anything. Do anything. <laughs> um, uh, between those two things, I'm feeling a little bit like a little maybe perturbed. But other, mm. other, otherwise, okay. I think my capacity for this for this conversation is uh, is fine. <laughs> okay, good. I'll keep and that I in I mind. Don't, I, don't, I don't I don't expect anything to come up that would be cause for concern. So, 
Yeah, I think I'm, I'm good. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, glad to be here too. I think today's conversation is a little, um, abstract is not the right word, but it's a, a getting ready for kind of planning conversation, at least how I experience it. So mm. shall I tee up the topic today? Tee it up. Is thinking about, you know, when we're getting ready to start projects or even go into meetings, maybe the project is already underway, but I think we're thinking of the more earlier stages where you have less information and there's a lot more unknowns. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're trying to think about and disrupt your practice and to consider the people in the room, to consider people of the global majority uh, in particular, and what are the practices that we need to be disrupting, the questions we need to be asking, the positionalities we need to be tracking and all of those questions. So Mm. that's one way of teeing it up. What would you add into that, Greg? I think the way we framed it before we got on the call was like, when you know, when you have a sense of who's going to be in the room, what do you need to be thinking about as a white bodied facilitator? Well, that was a lot more simply put. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, but all of, all of this is true. Right. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon to not know, right. To be, you know, brought into a space and walk in the room and you see the people, but if you have a sense of who is going to be there and what positionalities are going to be present in the room, um, especially if we take true, if we take to heart the reality of when we walk in the room, we are going to have an impact. That mm-hmm. like just the impact starts there, maybe even starts prior to that. If you if you sent your headshot along, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and if there's yeah. an email that goes around that's like, hey, here's the facilitators, you know, like. Mm-hmm. That, they get that, your bio and everything's yeah. impressions are forming. Exactly. That's, that's unavoidable stuff, right? Between humans, we're all doing that all the time. We're all, and there's a certain way in which this stuff can have an impact. And, and so what are the, what are the kinds of things we might be thinking about? Well, I can even, you know, just starting, I have my own personal experience of that, right? Of, and boy, facilitators, coaches, and consultants, we are the roughest audience, I think in some ways, but you know, when I'm going to a training and I, I have that exact experience that you just described um, of learning about that training and seeing who the speaker is going to be and the facilitator and, you know, what's going on and all those things. And boy, there are just so many aspects of that. Now I'm thinking about, especially like the mandate, you get told you're going to a thing, right? So there's that yeah. whole extra layer that we also start to get into of, how is power playing out and how much consent is there and, you know, who's doing what to whom and against their will. And that starts to affect from the get-go, you know, whether it's safety is even possible, I think, like true safety can I, for can some I just, folks. Can I just open the fourth wall here real quick and just say something sure. to anyone who's a manager or a leader in an organization? Like, please do us all a favor and stop making people go to things. Like, mm. Stop mandatory meetings, mandatory workshops, mand- like, like let's do the work of creating an environment where people really want to go to the things that you invite, but like, let's stop the mandatory things because I don't think that they're actually helpful. I think in some ways I would rather, if there was a team that I was working with and there was somebody on the team who was like, I don't want to go to the thing. I don't feel safe. I don't want like I, whatever I would rather have whoever shows up, show up and then have the conversation. What do we got to do to create a space that's going to want that person to be here? Because the mandatory thing is a facilitator, the, the arms crossed in the back of the room thing. 
it's just not fun to work with. I don't think it's helping anybody. So I'll just end my rant there and apologies for interrupting your thought. That's all right. I feel like that is a whole podcast to itself in an aspect of disrupting our practice in white supremacy culture is imagining what is it like to have an environment where we're consent-based for one, where people, we give people the choice about if they want to go. I mean, imagine saying, we're going to do some team building, you can go or not, and you show up and no one's there. Well, mm-hmm. great. Now we actually get to deal with the truth of the matter. Yep. Uh, so there, you know, there's a whole bunch of things in that whole conversation that would be great to talk about. So let's make a note of that. Yeah, for sure. So where to go from there? That that took me into a hole. <laughs> My brain went somewhere else. <laughs> I thought I had interrupted a thought of yours. Yeah, but now I forgot it. So we'll just have oh. to pick up to when we're thinking of going into a space uh, to do a thing, to facilitate some kind of thing. Yes. And work with a group of people, you know, and we are at that point, you know, seen as part of the control structure and the power structure, probably. Yeah. Then... What are all the things we're thinking about? Okay, so that that helped me kind of get back into a, a stream of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Seems like you were ready to go with a thought or two there. Well, when you were saying, oh, what did you just say? This is where my, my mental capacity is down. There's going to be so, so I think you jinxed it. I think we have a four hour Sorry. edit ahead of us. <laughs> so, you know, you were just saying about how we're seen as kind of the power structure or, you know, we're, we're brought in because we are hired. We're generally hired by somebody who has authority to hire, right. And spend money, organizational right. money. So I'm thinking about, you know, um, I'm thinking about a client we worked with recently who hired us, was a team leader, hired us into an organization in which we knew that part of the team was uh, people of color and part of the team was was white-bodied folks. And the leader specifically wanted to work, actually specifically wanted to work with you and you brought me in as, as your partner and never really quite got ownership buy-in from the team, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and in particular members of the team who were um, people of color. And so as was the team leader, you know, and so I just, you know, I think, I think it's one of those things where there's this, uh, the the acknowledgement and the recognition of the positionality piece. You know, I think it's something we both sat with for the duration of the project, right? Yes. This question of like, what is it? What is the impact of that? What is the role of that? And, and how do we talk about that if it is? So many thoughts going through my mind. It was such an incredibly complex project. Um, It was some some beauty there, and that the leader, you know, was directly able to work with me and wasn't told by somebody else that this was something that she needed to do for her team. You know, it was a little bit of a good to great team, which I think introduces a whole different thing. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) Better write that down. Um, You know, but just so much complexity of you know, gaining commitment from a team and, you know, how much, I think in this case, what was kind of interesting was how much energy and support and enthusiasm there was for the team leader and Mm -hmm. what she was bringing and uh, the team she was pulling together. And there was good excitement and energy there, you know, and yet, you know, and yet still that commitment and buy-in to doing the kind of work that she wanted to do with the team yeah, we was, was fraught. I mean, we all, you and 
you and I talked a lot about it and we talked with the team leader a lot about it and mm-hmm. just kind of kept going along with the idea that, you know, people take what they can get. So, you know, that still feels like something I'll think about probably for the rest of my professional career about yeah. what was unfolding there and what was to be learned and what what was related to, it's not all separable. I, f- I can feel that desire in me to be like, well, what was related to what, you know, mm-hmm. and like people of the global majority or not, or whiteness or not. And mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Yeah. And I think there's, a, there's so much embedded in what we didn't think about to ask, you know, yes. and, and like, you know, there's, or the conversations we didn't think about to have up front or the conversations you and I should have that, you know, maybe could have had up front that may have helped with some things. It's, it's, I mean, obviously it's impossible to know, right? You can't, you can't read, redo it, but there's, I think there are things that, you know, that having more direct conversations up front, I would have loved to have had more direct conversations with her, the beginning of the project about like, like really direct, like, Hey, you know, my, from a positionality standpoint, should I be coaching this person? Like, does that make sense? We, you and I talked about it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. never talked about it with the team leader. I think what was tricky there was the team leader had a certain amount of discomfort Mm -hmm. themselves about raising. There was such desire to be one team. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the white bodied folks that were in on that team, you know, had worked, had a long history of working with the types of, you know, clients and people that the rest of the team was working with. So, you know, that was also a limitation of, mm-hmm. you know, how she wanted to hold that, I think was part of the complexity that made it difficult for, the, the, you know, the team couldn't really talk about what was coming up around positionality. Mm-hmm. And that was a piece of, that was a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question in mind? Like, are there other things? I think the positionality, you know, should we have been doing that work? And I wonder what else going way, and if I could get in the way back machine to those very first few scoping conversations, like what else I would have wanted to know mm. or talk about questions to bring in. Like, do you have anything coming up for you using 2020 hindsight in the way back machine? I mean, I think, I think if anything, maybe asking a question about that sort of that level of comfort, right. And, and maybe, you know, the acknowledging of like, Hey, well, you are inviting, you know, us in when there's a, at the time, because the team grew over the course of the, of our work with them at the time, it was, it was actually, it was actually kind of balanced from a standpoint of people, the global majority to white bodied folks on the team mm-hmm. and then bringing us in. Well, one tip that balance, right. Cause we're in a meeting now, suddenly there's two more of us. Um, right. So maybe, maybe a question that I might consider in the future where I knew a team was similar to this would be something along the lines of what are your, what's your sense of as a team, the comfort with acknowledging, not even necessarily talking about, but like acknowledging this um, imbalance and the Im- potential impact it could be having on people. Is that something that is there comfort in, let alone a willingness or desire to explore that in some way? Yeah. It makes me wonder as we're talking about, well, presuming that we would have chosen to do the work, you know, and I think even way back when 
a team leader reached out to me, maybe now I would have a different set of questions or maybe now mm -hmm. I wouldn't have brought, you know, you and Greg, you know, mm -hmm. either would have handed that work off to somebody else of a different positionality uh, and mm -hmm. that understood that context more and been in support of them, mm -hmm. you know, may have been the, the better way to go mm -hmm. since there was a desire to work with me specifically, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that whole thing could have from the beginning would have been a good set of, I just was so excited to work with them again, uh, you know, that I didn't slow down enough to, yeah. to give that much thought. So that, that's one thing, but it makes mm -hmm. me think about a survey, you know, mm -hmm. having the anonymity for people to answer that question and just do the acknowledgement and surveys have their challenges. You know, mm -hmm. it makes me think about the larger organization that the team was embedded in. I think the organizational dynamics, we just were not aware of those. And it was very hard under COVID and so much remote work to to become familiar with those. And we heard mm -hmm. bits and pieces. And as the project unfolded, we kept hearing even more bits and pieces. So, you know, there was all of a sudden the, the four levels of racism is popping into my mind in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, internal racism within me, within every person on the team, how that was playing out in interpersonally, mm -hmm. certainly the institutional component, uh, the systemic component and just where, what that team was up to in the world um, and all mm -hmm. the different places it was engaging with all sorts of different people with different ways of approaching the world. And it just made it really hard. And yet the predominant intervention was coming from, you know, white dominant culture ways of doing things mm -hmm. and a strong government military overlay, you know, in that as well. So, so much complexity. Yeah. hundred percent. There's a lot of a lot of examples, I think, in over the course of a career where we can look back and go like, oh, I wish I had known that. I would have asked this question differently. I would have started the project differently. I would have not taken the work, you know, like I'm, <laughs> there's there's a, there's a, like at least two jobs that if I had known they were going to turn out the way that they turned out, I just wouldn't have taken them. But I do think that there's a way in which like th that example, that, that particular contract and we, you know, we're being vague on purpose, right? Like, I mean, sure people can yeah. pick up on that, but we're, we're, you know, we could get much more specific and, and it would actually open the conversation up in some ways that could potentially be useful, but don't feel like it's appropriate. But I do think that there are ways in which that particular project will inform things going forward as far as I think, I think in some ways, being a little bit more brave in some of the kinds of questions mm -hmm. we're asking. Cause I think some of the questions we've talked about, we were just mentioning here are things we've actually, we actually were talking about in some ways in our own conversations, you know, a couple of years ago when we first started connecting with these folks. Yeah. But maybe just didn't have quite the enough perspective or enough courage to, to ask them because you know, and the reality is, is that we, if we are going to be engaging with organizations that um, are made up of people of color, largely made up of people of color, we need to we need to be willing to actually, yeah, to make that reach to to take the risk of asking the question that feels edgy in order to really suss out, like, yeah, can we actually be helpful here, or should should we support you in finding somebody? that has mm -hmm. more, um, yeah, like you were saying, like a more of a lived understanding or 
I don't even say like capacity. It's not even necessarily the right word, but just like what are the, you know, who understands the right questions to ask and the um, has a sense, a deeper sense of, or a, a more, you know, lived experience that could be helpful here. I don't know. Yeah. As you're trying to describe that last part, it makes me think of folks from holistic resistance will always ask, you know, who will mm-hmm. listen to you. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of not being the right folks to lead that work because there were things mm-hmm. that yeah. even if we had been braver, I don't know that we could have been listened to. Um, or heard. Yeah. Or heard. And in a way that, I, I mean that not as judgment, in some ways there's probably some real mm-hmm. uh, important justifiable safety-related reasons mm-hmm. why. Uh, and it also makes me think of the flip side of being braver where we were talking about, you know, not forcing people into things. I always felt, I think we both felt like, did we have permission and did we have the relationship mm-hmm. to have those conversations? And we were always in a question of, it didn't feel like we had the relationship or the permission to be having those conversations. And when we weren't hired in for conversations about, you know, positionality mm-hmm. type things. Um, and I, that is a quandary you and I find ourselves in when we go in for team coaching or mm-hmm. it's not an explicit, you know, we're not here to help you build an anti-racist organization or to do, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. We're there for some other thing but they're not unrelated, right? They're always related. So what, you know, what the permission thing gets very, the permission bravery conversation gets very interesting at that point. Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the trick, right? Is do we end up playing a role in keeping DEI over there? Mm -hmm. You know, do we end up keeping playing a role and being in like, the idea of an anti-racist organization happens in the anti-racist workshop right? as opposed to, you know, and, and at the same time, not wanting to, I think there's a way in which it's possible to project a need, you know, onto a space. Um, and that's, that can happen. I do think that, I mean, the example of, of permission and, you know, the, the permission that I, I, I mean, I almost felt like, do we even have permission from the team? I knew we had permission from the team leader. She had hired us and was like, please do this thing. We're going to do this retreat or whatever the number of different things we did with them. But I don't know but, that we had permission to talk about what we were r- feeling between white bodied folks and not. I, I understand, but folks. What, what, what I was getting at was, I didn't even know that we felt, I felt like I had permission from the team to lead them on the retreats that we were leading. Oh, just on the teams, the team stuff in general. Right. And so there's a, there's an element there of, and I think we, we kind of edged around this with the team later. Right. But we never like directly said, look, you know, I think it's possible that the reason it feels this way is because of this (laughs) is because we're white bodied folks. And mm-hmm. that there's that there's a tension in the room that's not being addressed. And until that gets addressed in some way, and that that addressed could mean like we step away and you yeah. hire somebody else completely. Um, I don't think we ever had that direct of a conversation with the team leader to not say towards like, the and, not until the end. Towards the end of it, yeah, we did. 
a little bit. And I think that that's the kind of, because, because that helps even if, even if it ends up not being that it turns out it's like, actually, no, that's not what it is. We just turns out we have a team of jerks or we have it like whatever the reason is, or people are too busy or whatever the reason is at the very least, what we've done is we haven't conspired with the typical organizational approach of dividing DEI from the day-to-day work, you know, and say, well, that's not my job. You know, my job is actually here to, I think it's, to point to the positionality and have the courage to say like, is this part of it? Is this part of what's going on here? Yeah. Is there something that we can do to help move, move past this and help the team get what it needs? And as I, as you're saying that it's making me think that sometimes just the question is enough because I think not only is this something specific to the work that we do or the business, you know, that we don't put ourselves forward as, people who are making organizations anti-racist, um, but is exists within other people, which is to say, even the teams that we hire or the teams that we get hired into help, like this team in particular, I think even itself felt like that work is over there. You know, we're not going to mm-hmm. talk about that. It's not part of what we need to do to, you know, get clear on our team charter. Mm-hmm. Um, so even even grappling with that on the different levels, you know, the interpersonal, institutional, systemic, and there's a way in mm-hmm. which, you know, white supremacy and the powers that be, and we've been conditioned to put it over there when it's a question of, you know, humanity really at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just necessarily, I think about us as white bodied folks, like that tension existed in the team. Even if we left the room, it was still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so that was going to be, and I think you and I carry the team equals product, which sounds very tech. And it's because it came from someone we know in tech, you know, the team equals product, you know, but whatever Mm -hmm. was happening in the team, the rifts, the difficulties, challenges, stuckness Mm -hmm. is going to show up Mm -hmm. somewhere somehow in the team's work. So how do we get back? I mean, we're, we're talking about our topic of what are the things that we need to have the questions we're holding, the things we're thinking about as we begin to engage in work where we know, you know, we're going to be working with people, the global majority is a part of the team. And what else comes to mind for you? I guess part of what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like reflecting on in myself right now is how easy it is to get wrapped up into the idea of like, if we had just asked the right question or if we had just mm-hmm. done the right thing, then none of that would have happened. It would have just gone smoothly and we wouldn't have had to have this issue and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When I don't think that that's the, I think, I think that that's actually the, a flawed way of looking at it. And I think actually probably ties into why things end up going the way that they, they do so often. Whereas if maybe it wasn't so much about a quite like what are the right questions we could have asked the team leader or the team or ourselves, but more like what, what, if, what, could we have been paying attention to differently that mm-hmm. could have led to, I don't know, like some, I don't know, something, something different unfolding or, you know, creating a, a greater sense of trust and safety in the room. Mm-hmm. And even that feels a little bit like a convert, a question that's a, that's focused on a solution. I guess what I'm getting at is I'm wondering if, a solution oriented view on this is the incorrect way to think about it. And 
if there isn't something that's more disruptive. Yes, I find myself hearkening back to some of the conversations or desires expressed in the evaluations related to our disrupting our practice workshop series that we just did mm. of wanting, you know, hopes for more concrete outcomes, you know, while enjoying the questions and the dialogue and the inquiry and a couple folks saying, I think that was the point, but, but could feel within themselves the desire for more mm-hmm. concrete. It's like what you're saying, what I hear and what you're saying is we want the thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And the approach and the list of questions and the checkbox and the project template or the client intake form, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that, that lets us know what to do differently. So things will be differently, but I think it's more what you're saying of it's be differently, be differently, notice differently, feel differently. And I was just reading a book called Design um, Unbound and talking a lot about ambiguity and what a generative space ambiguity is. And to sit, mm. to sit with ambiguity is actually requires emotional presence, you know, and requires a way of, of sitting with things and from the sitting with things, you know, that's where clarity starts to emerge versus problem solving and resolving and fixing and rational and logic that mm-hmm. actually, nah, you know, the way through is in or the way through is be. And so what do mm-hmm. we, what do we need to be with? Feels like a much more useful question at the moment for which I don't entirely have answers for. <laughs> that would but that's be okay. the point, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> I, well, I, I think it makes me think about then is like, if you are, I'm going to speak in abstract terms here a little bit, and, and you can decide if you want to make it less abstract. If you were going to go and engage in a large project that has uh, multiple, like many, many stakeholders engaged in it, and and some of those, some are, or, or a lot of those stakeholders were people of the global majority, and you were going to be walking into that unsure of the potential impact or with some ideas of the potential impact, but unsure of exactly how to, how to be, it seems like maybe your, your willingness to step into it with a, a level of like developing greater confidence in the ability to be unsure mm-hmm. while tracking the impact mm-hmm. and, and course correcting based on the impact as opposed to going in like with some, I don't know, a list of five ways to show up in a room that has um, people of the global majority in it and ways to, five ways to behave, <laughs> you know, as yeah. a white-bodied person. You know what I mean? Right. Like to to actually to actually be curious and willing to be present with the discomfort of the reality of your the likelihood of your stepping in it. Right. I mean, yep. we had an episode, I think at one point called like we all step in it or something like that. Yeah. Without because a doubt. The, I'll, the reality is we'll step in it. Yeah. Right. And so it seems like, like developing that capacity because, because that, that there's going to be a greater possibility of actual course correction and change and which is what's necessary to create trust. I mean, obviously the ideal would be to never, to never cause harm, to never step in it, but like that's, that's just unrealistic. So. And I don't even know if it's in, if I don't even know if it's ideal ultimately, 
I mean, back to the idea of we're going to get married and never hurt each other. Um, and I know you're talking about s- different kinds of harm and that we, you w- wouldn't it be nice yeah. to never harm each other? Um, but we are, we are going to hurt each other. You know, it makes me think of what you just said, connecting to that idea of ambiguity and what I was reading today is it makes me connect to the idea of like, what are we centering? You know, mm-hmm. so entering a big project with lots of a big team engaging a big group of people makes makes right now just off the top of my head. I'm like, I want to center humanity mm. like over productivity. You know, I want to center relationship. I want to center people's experience in terms of like, it is true and it is trustworthy and it is wisdom, you know? So that's what I sit here thinking with is what are the, things as I begin to enter into new work and new relationships and new spaces is what do I want to center? Yeah. And I, I love all of that. The, the immediate thing that comes to mind is when you say that, I don't say, I don't think this is what you're saying at all, but is that scene from the color of fear in which one of the guys says this white guy says, I don't understand. Why can't we all just behave human? Why can't we just all be humans? Mm. And the black man says, when you say that, what you mean is white. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what you actually mean is white. Because when I show up as a full human, I get told I'm angry. I get told I'm too much. I get told, you know, and right. and I don't think that's what you were saying. I think you're, you know, you're trying to actually, and I think my, my guess is actually disrupt that. But I think in... I think in a lot of contexts that can be what it looks like looks like, right? Is like when we say we're gonna center our humanity. Um yes. it can actually come if we're actually not explicit at like we need to center the people who have been most marginalized and harmed in this room. Yeah. You know, and actually what does that what does that look like? And 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 even as we've been in this conversation, I'm realizing I'm like, wow, so many of the questions that I had early on in this conversation really just center my own comfort of like, what do I need to do in order to not be yep. harmful? What do I need to, like, or what do Jesus. I need to do so I can feel I was an effective consultant? Right. You know, as opposed to, wow, how do I really center the people on this team that that most that most need that because the system isn't doing that? Right. Yeah, I'm so glad you added that in. Definitely did not mean, and it would be easy for me to do, you know, so there's a part of Mm -hmm. where I want to, it connects back to where we've talked about, I can't put all the thoughts together right now in this moment, where it just feels very important to track my own material and trauma story and defenses and knowing the things that will make me tip towards centering my humanity, right? And centering mm-hmm. my comfort will be X, Y, Z things, um, which can be things like not feeling like an effective consultant um, mm-hmm. or not feeling like X, um, whatever the case may be, or, hey, we're tipping over and we're losing track of productivity and we actually do need to get some real outcomes to like all of that stuff that can get kicked up. So what are the things that will get in the way of me being able to center those that need to be centered? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you bringing that in. I feel like in some ways we could maybe start to draw to a close. Well, that's what I was going to, I was about to say is, yeah, I feel like really it's like 
the the whole conversation has could have started with just like how do we center those who have been who need to be centered in the space when we have a sense of who's going to be in the room that's the whole podcast episode it's two minutes long (laughs) i don't know or two hours long (laughs) but but i think yes that we could have done that if we weren't (laughs) we are also disrupting our practice live in front of you so we just (laughs) wandered all over disrupting our practice right well that's the reality of it though right is like is it's it's hard to see what we don't see until we see it you know and so for those who actually made it with us all the way here and who were yelling at us going like you're centering yourselves like the whole time yes we realized it then (laughs) um even the door prize so here we go well be very curious to get you know feedback and reviews on you know thumbs up if you knew the whole time we were centering ourselves (laughs) and also what else would you add uh i mean it helps it helps for us to receive feedback of all kinds just to know what to talk about. And you are in real time as much as we can helping us disrupt our own practice and see our whiteness and see where it's showing up and where we're missing, where we're missing folks. So, yeah. 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 It's, um, it's humbling. Say that. Very. Yeah. I can feel that, that moment right now of like, Oh God. But there it is. Yeah. Here we are disrupting yeah. things, being learners in front of you. So, yeah, please send us your comments. You can reach us at Greg or Shannon at connectionworks.com. If you are at all interested in um, programs or whatnot we have coming up, um, go and join our newsletter. You can do that on the website, connectionworks.com. And or just shoot us an email and let us know you're interested. We've got some stuff coming in the fall, info coming soon. And um, yeah, do all the the podcast things. You know, if you if you like this, please review it, rate and review it. That helps in the share uh, it with a friend. Share it with a friend and share it with a colleague um, and a and someone you want to be friends with. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of which. Um, Every second Wednesday, we hop on Zoom and do listening sessions, which we've covered in one of our podcasts. Greg, do you know what episode that is? You seem to have it memorized. I think it's episode three. Oh, so if you listen to episode three and want to experience sessioning live and in person with us, you can do that on second Wednesdays. You can find us on LinkedIn at ConnectionWorks at events and join us there or just email us and say, Hey, I want to come to the thing and we'll send you the link. It'd be so lovely to have you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be a fun thing. That'd be great. Yeah. It's fun. There are people who listen to the podcast who are there. You can also join our LinkedIn community, the disrupting our practice LinkedIn community. You can just search for disrupting our practice and it pops up. Yeah. Trying to get some conversation going there. I think we're all busy doing other things. You and I included but we're at least there's a place. If you have a question, you can come there and it's finally made it to my to-do list. So I'm starting, starting (laughs) to get back in there. (laughs) All right. Me too. A little bit. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thanks Shannon for for the exploration as always. And yeah, we'll see y'all soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.